this is Aubrey Warner, NSH's Director for Meetings and Education. Travel restrictions around the coronavirus led NSH to offer our annual convention virtually this year. I was heartbroken to not see our attendees in person, but really proud of the great education histology leaders and NSH members produced, including one of my favorite features of our convention, our scientific poster gallery. Please enjoy this year's installment of Poster Podcast featuring conversations with our 2020 poster presenters discussing their research. Thanks for listening. So, hi, this is Jamie Pert. I'm sitting with Liz Chappella talking about her poster, Utilizing Image Analysis to Evaluate Overuse of Hematoxylin and Eosin Staining Reagents from Multiple Manufacturers. Why do you think this topic of this poster is so important and worthy of your time as a researcher? Well, this is a follow-up to a poster we did a couple years ago where we evaluated um, one um, vendor's reagents for overuse, and we wanted to see if, you know, how long, everybody has how they change their um, H&E staining reagents in certain cycles that they uh, rotate their reagents, and um, there's really not a whole lot of published um, data on it, um, so we thought that let's use an image analysis solution and a digital solution to look at you know, when reagents start going bad and when you start seeing um, changes in the H&E stain. And so we did on the the one um, vendor a few years ago, and then we decided to do a follow-up and look at multiple vendors. So this is kind of like that follow-up data and kind of work that we did looking at multiple vendors. But we think it's kind of, it was kind of interesting because we wanted to be able to compare um, different um, vendors' products. I think it's great also. Um, I will tell you that I have shared this with my students as they're learning um, what hematoxylin and eosin staining is. And um, I think it's a great representation and great example to them as they're being introduced to these things and how it can be looked at. Um, when you, what is the first thing that you want people to look at when they look at this poster? I think what what I think what we learned a lot out of it is that um, that the H and E stain and for the amount of slides that we stained was was reasonably robust and that we didn't see a whole lot of differences um, in staining intensity over the course of the slides that we stained and that uh, surprised us surprised us the first time around but we thought we might see some differences with different vendors and we didn't really see that and that. Um, that overall, the commercially available reagents that we have for H&E are, are quite good and quite quite robust. And I think that is great for people to realize when they're choosing just how robust they, they can be. Is there anything that you didn't expect when you were doing the research? Yes. I mean, we ran um, some of the... Um, sometimes when the data comes out and you're looking at it and you're like, why is that happening? Because we saw... Um, certain vendors increases in the in the nuclear um, component, the optical density, and like why are we seeing increases? So uh, you would think that because as a reagent becomes used, you'd see decreases in optical density. It, it would get used up, and the staining would be lighter. And we didn't see that in some instances with some of the vendors. Well, at least one of the vendors, and you're and you it kind of throws you for a loop when you get the data, and you're like, what happened? And um, actually, when you um, get data that doesn't make sense, it makes you learn more because you actually have to spend some time figuring out why it happened and why did it, uh, why did the data 
trend this way and um, maybe it was a, another reagent that um, didn't function as good as it, it could. Um, it's like a, we found out that the hematoxin was a, a, a strong hematoxin, it stained mucin blue, and that we probably didn't um, create a protocol initially that would be, was best suited for that particular hematoxin and our differentiation reagent was what um, kind of um, petered out at, at the end. And, um, and that's why we saw increases in hematoxin um, optical density over time with one of the reagents. So you learn a lot. Um, yourself and it makes you kind of research and figure out what's going on when the data doesn't turn out as nice as you would expect it to. And if when somebody walks away from this poster, what are three to five words they should think about? Oh, robustness. I'm a big person in, repro in reproducibility, uh, repeatability, um, study design. I think it's important that um, when you do something like this, you design the study well and um, pretty pictures because I love what we do. So I like seeing the nice stained slides and things like that. So the pictures are very pretty. Yeah, Miles, if you had Miles, a follow. Go on. Oh, no, you can finish. I'm sorry. I was saying Miles, who was on the poster, did all the photos and we, he has a process. He's quite good at it where the images are captured. You know, we scan the slides and then the images are captured, extracted out of the scanned images. And then from there, they're um, sized in Photoshop and, and resolution. So they're all like a really nice resolution. So we've learned a lot on how to um, capture images and to uh, create um, kind of those multi-image templates in Photoshop. So we've gotten quite good at it. Well, it shows, it definitely does. And I know this is a follow-up project, but do you ever think about doing another follow-up project to this research well, poster? This is actually gonna be a publication. So we're going to, we've already had, um, we've taken this uh, data that we have and we've taken a subset of the slides um, and sent them to a veterinary pathologist and she has read them and scored them based upon the criteria that she would use to uh, read an H&E stain slide and then I will sit down and score them based upon criteria that um, is similar to the um, CAP guidelines, the histokip where the nuclear stain is too light or too dark or the ESN is too light or too dark um, and the stain balance is off. So off. So we're going to, we've already partially done that. So I need to grade them um, subjectively. And then we're going to take all that data and put it into a publication for the journal. So that's our goal in the new year is to start working on that paper. Well, that is great. I will look forward to reading it. And lastly, what would be what are two to three major tips that you would share with somebody that's considering submitting a poster, whether it be a new, um, a newcomer to submitting posters um, or somebody who has some ideas? I would think the first thing is, is getting the individuals who are the, the key players in it or who are gonna be working on the project to come together and, and think about the study design because how you design the study um, is really important and making sure you involve everybody in that process because everybody thinks a little bit differently. So they're going to bring different um, things to the table. So design the study well, you know, 
Um, the other thing is that if the data doesn't turn out perfect, or let's say for our incidents, the data didn't look that, uh, we, we saw some things that looked kind of weird in the data, but it was, we were able to explain it. The other thing is that um, we didn't, um, when we initially started, since we don't normally run these solutions in our lab, we just did a really quick visual assessment to um, judge the H&E stain quality. We probably should have spent a little more time trying to even all that out. So they kind of, all the stains kind of started at the same level of staining intensity. Um, we didn't really do that. And you can kind of see that in the data, but even with that, surprisingly, there's a reasonable amount of consistency between the different vendors on certain tissues with optical density. So that, and not to be discouraged if, the, if things don't turn out great. I think you have the opportunity to learn a lot and it's still publishable and it's still good quality data, regardless of whether you think it is perfect. And, and I know you said one of the things is to have a great a study plan. Do you have any resources for people um, to look at when they're looking at setting up a poster? That's, you know, I would go and look at some of the posters that NSH has had, and then there are websites out there that tell you what to do with posters. And we kind of, we have a tendency not to always Posters should have a limited amount of data on them. We have a tendency to put too much data on our posters um, and have too much information, but there are um, places out there. But I think as you get your feet wet and you start working through things, sometimes it's really easy once you've gotten it done once or twice to come up with new ideas to um, how to present data that you worked on in the lab. We, we always like, you know, we're not always uh, hugely busy all the time. So sometimes when we have, uh, we're not as busy in the lab, we have all these little projects that we're working on. So it gives us the opportunity to do some additional things and we will plan, oh, we, we think of something that we haven't addressed before. And we're like, well, that's a good idea for a poster. And then we'll just keep that on the back burner. And then when we have the time and we're, let's say we're not as busy, um, we'll start working on it. I think it's just getting your feet wet, getting comfortable. There's no wrong way of doing it. I don't think, I think you can, you know, you'll learn as you go. I think the whole thing with doing things and, and, and trying to get, trying to do new things is you have to give yourself the opportunity to learn and then you'll get better and better at it. Well, I have to, before I end, I need to thank the rest of the people on the poster, Miles, Mark, oh, I'm going to forget who was on there, but whoever was the employees that I work with, geez, they're going to kill me. It's all right. Um, but anyway, everybody here at Premier that um, helped with the project. I'm old now, so I forget things. Um, I hate to interrupt because obviously, you know, me, I should be muted. But I actually have a question for you, Liz. I want to follow up. You definitely brought in some new folks this year. And I was wondering, you know, as you're guiding them, you've already given some tips but did you notice anything that you felt like was an aha moment for them? Well, what we do is we'll sit down and I have in my head kind of what I want to do. And then um, I like when we did the poster editions, mm -hmm. you know, the, the video and additional content is like I sat down with them and I said, hey, we have the opportunity to do something a little different and we can add some additional content to the posters. And we kind of discussed it and I had in my head, you know, here, here are some of the areas that I think that we can add stuff. And then I let them 
be responsible for it. So they they took what I had suggested and then made the call on where they were going to add content, what content they were going to add. They they wrote the scripts for the recordings. They did that all on their own. You just have to sometimes try, you know, give them a, a starting point and then step away. They'll do a really good job. You know, you make a great point too. You know, they scripted it out. I feel like if you're going to and this is whether or not you're standing in front of a big paper poster or you're pre-recording something that you're going to layer onto a digital poster, you know, don't wing it. You know, there's nothing wrong with scripting it out and practicing it so that you're succinct and you're direct and clear on what you're trying to communicate. And that definitely came through with the recording. So kudos to Miles and Mark and yeah. everybody else at Premiere, <laughs> as Liz likes to say. Well, the funny thing is, is if it was me doing that, I wouldn't have scripted it, but they did. And Miles recorded it. You know, I couldn't, I wouldn't have been able to figure out how to record it. I mean, I would have had to fit, Miles, I need to record this. I don't know how to do this. So he knew what to do. And he had some, uh, it was a learning experience for him too. And he would approach it differently. You know, and we talked about that in when we had the, the 15 minute uh, additional information because I thought what was really nice about this year is we had the poster and then we had the addition the ability to add additional content and in addition to that we could talk about it and we wanted to make sure that we weren't we didn't repeat things so we had three kind sure. of levels of information so the powerpoint that we put together and that was all I mean we, again we talked about it discussed kind of what we wanted to do and then I let them go and, and kind of do their own thing so it's just uh, just a little bit of guidance and I think walking away, trusting in them, whatever they choose to do is, is going to be just fine. And if, if, you know, I guess I'm really lucky because they all did a really, really good job. Well, thank you, Liz, very much for sharing your knowledge on this. Um, we appreciate it. And um, do you have any last minute comments? I just want to thank NSH um, for the opportunity to um, present posters and um, it's been fun. I, I enjoy doing them every year. You know, we try to do one every year, so it's been fun. So we'll continue to do them. We don't currently have a poster that we're working on. So I guess we'll have, well, we're going to move finishing. We have to do the paper. But once we do that, we're going to have to be thinking about what we're going to be bringing to Omaha. So haven't thought about that yet. Well, we look forward to seeing what will be there and hopefully seeing a lot of our listeners there in Omaha. Thanks for listening to this episode of the 2020 Poster Podcast. Don't forget to check out NSH's other podcast series, including Histo Health and Women in Histology. 